Welcome into another episode of Car Stories. My name is AJ. And I'm Chris. And today we are joined by Jesse Combs, who I cannot even begin to say where you're from because there is so much you have done. But if you've watched TV and you've seen a car involved with it, especially with fabricating a car, probably seen you on TV. Yes, you've probably seen me on TV. That is correct. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, We've got as you pointed out, hours to talk about and learn about you. There's so much that I've accomplished and I have going on and that I, the, like everything that's involved with the whole entire automotive world and where, where it's brought me and what it's taken me is just, it, you can't really condense it into like a half hour, no. an hour. I will say that. So we, we <laughs> might go a little long form today and we're looking forward to it. But before we go with what you're working on now, let's take it all the way back to the very beginning. What was your first automotive memory? Um... Well, we grew up in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota, and we were kind of like the weekend warriors. We'd go out every week, and my dad worked really hard. We had owned a construction company, and I grew up with uh, basically like 1970, 72 Chevy Blazers and GMC Jimmies. And my dad actually um, was the pit crew for my mom, and my mom would race. So my that mom, old cliche. Yeah, yeah. So my mom was actually the driver in the family. And of course, if my dad could have his own drag racing team right now, I'm sure he would just be sitting on cloud nine. But <laughs> um, we grew up sailing and off-roading, which is how I got into off-roading. I mean, I was basically born into it, camping every weekend. So it was always, it was always going on a journey in the blazer. We always had the roll bar so I could play my gymnastics on it. And, you you know, I mean, I mean, you name it, everything. I was practically born in one of those trucks. So my mom was out camping one weekend and she went into labor and she took the short route out. And my dad, no, she took the long route out. My dad took the short route in. So they missed each other. Huh. (laughs) So, so uh, did she make it to the hospital? Well, yeah, I was actually born in the hospital, but it it was a quick one. You're ready to go right right from the start, huh? I never, ever want to do anything slow. Like, come on, let's get to it. You were into cars before you were actually in the world. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, my great-grandmother used to race Stanley Seamers. and wow, she was really? A, yeah, she was this beautiful jazz pianist, and she was a very independent, adventurous woman. And she would drive around the country in her car most of the time by herself. I'm sure mm-hmm. she had a, sometimes an entourage. But back in the day, they would hold these parties, and they put it in the newspaper, like, Nina Ann DeBow is coming to play the piano and so basically you know at the parties and so she would travel around and she actually put on thousands of miles more on um goodrich tires before they were bf goodrich they were Mm -hmm. still cloth tires and she put thousands of miles more than they were actually rated for and she got an advertisement in the sunday times or sunday yeah i think it was the sunday times which was really big back in the 40s you know that's pretty interesting yeah Yeah. and so there's these there's all these really cool photos with her because it happened a few times and she's like you know i put this many miles on these tires and all i got was a new set of tires you know you could tell that she was just a little (laughs) sassy pants but um, yeah, so I, I honestly think, and she passed away about four months after I was born. So my mom swears up and down that her spirit and her adventure and her freedom and her independence and everything just jumped right into me. She's also the only penis that ever have a tire sponsor deal. <laughs> uh, that's got to be the yeah. only, the only yeah, jazz right. musician to ever have a tire deal. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, and then my father's mechanical engineer, so I got his mindset. And gotcha. I will say that my parents divorced when I was 11, so... 
I just got his brain. I didn't actually get to really grow up with it the way a lot of kids gotcha. got to. Gotcha. Did he still pit for your mom after they divorced? No. Okay. <laughs> no, they actually, yeah, they actually stopped racing um, long, like when we were still very young kids. But it's funny because we have this photograph of my mom and she's full-blown pregnant at the starting line and the whole truck is stripped down with the fenders off and the tailgate off and all that kind of stuff and she's literally like looks like she's about to pop thumbs up ready yeah. to race. <laughs> that is, is such an interesting story so did you just from day one want to go i'm going to be immersed in the car culture no i didn't in fact i wanted to be an architect for many years mm-hmm. um and then i realized how much school architects had to go to you know it's it's like 12 year process and i'm a great student but i like to move fast i don't you know i don't like to drag things out so it's yeah well yeah i I think i would just have gotten bored with it at some point in time so um but i changed my i changed my major to interior design and so interior design is basically like i could use my textures my colors and still be able to do all my drafting and design work Mm -hmm. and then um Growing up in Rapid City, it was kind of one of those things like I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this whole career thing to happen yet because it's it's very conservative area and I hadn't really explored the world or even the United States, you know, so mm-hmm. I felt like I had much more life to live. So I basically took five years off and ended up at Wyotech. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. And and at that point, did you decide, well, had you done any fabrication prior to that or was that really your introduction to to yeah. really welding and you know cutting yeah. metal no. and grinding things or definitely not i mean i i had my days where you know i had I, I never like to admit certain things but you know we were all young and sure you know i i like to steal cars when i was young and yeah I who doesn't i know well and but i wouldn't do anything with them other than just go drive them I'd right. even return them. Just joyride. Yeah, I'd just take them out for joyrides, but I just wanted to go drive. And then I also had 14 speeding tickets before I was 18. So Were those all in stolen cars? No, none of them were in stolen <laughs> cars, thankfully. You know, I was actually really good with those. But, you know, just traffic violations and and burnouts and silly things. But it's, you know, I cars have always been a part of me. I just didn't realize that that's where I found the most joy until I really started getting a little bit more competitive. Um, you know, I needed I needed my vehicles to be better, stronger, lighter, faster than the guys because, you know, it was almost like I had something to prove when I was younger, sure, you know, sure. which I guess sometimes I still do these days. But either way, it was it ended up being a really, a really good step for me to go to Wyotech because I took five years off after high school and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to, you know, like wasn't ready to, to settle. I wanted to explore. I wanted to work. But I got some good life skills in those five years before mm-hmm. I went to Wyotech. And I think I, it was the timing of it was perfect because after that, that's when like that's right. Rarely when the cards really just start to drop. And when you were at Wyotech, what what was your plan when you got out? What did did you? When Did I you go through in, there knowing what you wanted to do, or were you still exploring? Yeah, my goal was actually I wanted to open up um, a motorcycle shop for women to build motorcycles for women. Sure. Because, you know, we need them a little bit more lower to the ground, better center of gravity, better balance, that kind of stuff. And so that was sure. my goal was to have it so it was more fitted for women, so it was a comfortable ride, and it would get more girls to ride. That was always my plan long before I went to, to Wyotech. Like, that would just be rad. Yeah, yeah. So what what did you do uh, when you graduated did well, you start doing that or? well you'll you also you'll see a flow of change and i think i think a good thing a little lesson in life is one of those is to always be prepared for change like prepare mm-hmm. yourself 
for change. Yes. <laughs> like you can be as prepared as you want, but also be very ready for anything. And sort of embrace the path. change. Yeah. So I actually went to Wyotech. I wanted to go and um, I, want, I really wanted to learn custom paint because I already knew a lot of the fab stuff. Mm-hmm. And then so I took the collision refinishing courses and then I took chassis fabrication and I really started falling in love with the suspension and the dynamics of the car and, uh, and understanding it even more and more and more. And then I got into street rod class and I was like, oh my gosh, I can literally build a car from the ground up. And so I learned a lot of those, those techniques of like mm-hmm. letting and chop tops and suicide doors and hinges and using the power hammer and the pull max and all these amazing machines. And I'm like, this is like the, the possibilities are endless, Yeah, you know? And then I took my custom paint course and then I was like, you know what? I might as well stay. And so I did trim and upholstery as well. So I can do sewing and all that jazz and I can do do the whole thing. I can do the whole enchilada. I mean, granted, I'm never going to admit that I know everything about everything by any means. I think that's another lesson to learn is you'll never know everything. Always, you know, keep your mind open to keep learning. But, um, I'm pretty proud of the things that I do know. And I'm, and I'm even more proud of the things that I'm wanting to know that I'm willing to learn. Well, that's good because a lot of people, you know, they kind of get to a point and they, they do think they know everything and, and, and when you're able to to stand back and go, okay, well, I don't really know everything there is to know about that, but I'm so curious about it. I mean, you just you you continue to grow forever. Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's wonderful. So, um, so you get out of uh, Wyotech. Well, what no, did you do? The good things already started happening at really? Wyotech. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I was the president of the student advisory council, shop uh-huh. leader, class leader, dean's list, student advisor. Um, Student Advisory President, I think I already said that one. Um, National Vocational Technical Honor Society. Um, I also worked full time. So you were an underachiever. Yeah. <laughs> well, it didn't was, do a whole lot. Sat around in Laramie, Wyoming. So we're, <laughs> what else? Really, you got nothing you know, to do but learn. Yeah. And I felt like I was, you know, I was doing pretty well in class, and I was top student, and you know, I was learning way quicker than I thought I was going to. But it was a good thing that I had some of those skill sets already to kind of sure. Helps accelerate. Yeah, and they they just they you know they helped me learn what not to do, and they really honed in on a lot of the skills that I didn't know that I was really that good at. So we uh, basically it was a few months before I graduated. um, Gary Poles came up to me. He was the street rod education director, and he was like, "Hey, we have this project that we would like you to be involved in. Let me know Mm -hmm. if you're interested in it. You know, it's actually like a paying gig, and you'd start working for the school." And this was before I graduated. I was like, immediate employment? I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was the first thing that I thought I didn't even really want to know what it was. But I was like, yeah, because that's the hardest thing for me. That's the reason why I went to school. Because I went to every street rod shop that I could possibly find in Denver, Colorado. And nobody would hire me. Not Hmm. one person. I'm like, come on, let me show you. I can weld. Like, let me show you all this stuff. And they were like, nope, 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 nope. And I don't know if they didn't really need anybody help or if it was because I was a cute blonde girl and they didn't think that I could actually do it. It Right. You know, being a girl makes way big difficulties but we'll talk about that sure. later so basically i um when i went to wyotech it was it was i got that piece of paper yeah. you know and i got that thing i'm like immediate employment i'll do it yeah so i did a built a 64 mercury cyclone well even a couple weeks after that they're like okay jesse we need to talk to you now i'm quite as we know as an entrepreneur so i had a project going on that i got a little bit of in in trouble for when i went to wyotech and so i'm like <laughs> oh what did i do this time because i'm like i got the good thing going on like what did i do this time and then that was when overholland was coming in to build the 56 bel air uh-huh. and they asked yep. me if i wanted to be the female builder on it and i was like heck yeah 
So that's when I got introduced to Trey Chapenier and Trip Foose and Brian Fuller and a lot of my favorite. Yeah, there was a good know, crew like, on that one. It was a really, really good crew. We got really, really blessed with and the car and the, the build, like how many people we got to work on the car. And sure. that was its very first season, you know. So um, I think that was a, a, a definite benefit. Well, the 64 Mercury Cyclone, we got it finished in about, I would say, not even probably four or six weeks before we were done. The marketing department, which was basically who was writing my paychecks came in they're like hey we have this really cool job opportunity for you we think you should take it and it was this production company that was starting this new off-road television show and everything that I had done for the school and because I work for the marketing department they knew my background they knew that Mm -hmm. I grew up off-roading they knew my dedication to work my quality of work and um and basically they it was it was the hosting show for extreme four by four so it was literally like that day we did a video interview because, well, she's like, why don't you think about it? Yeah. Just think about it. If you think so, just get your resume ready and we'll, we'll take care of everything tomorrow. So I, I thought about it. And I was like, what have I got to lose? Yeah. So I got my resume ready and we did the video interview the next day. We overnighted it. The producer, that was on a Friday. We overnighted it. Producer called me on a Monday. I flew out that Saturday, auditioned with 13 other guys. And a few weeks later, I got the job with Ian Johnson. And did you ever think about i mean how did they did they just know your personality and think you'd be a good fit for tv or did you ever express interest of you know after doing overhaul and this is a route i might want to go down oh man if you watch my episodes on overhaul and i'm like i don't know what to do with my hands i don't know how to talk i don't know how to look in the camera it was awful i am so like somewhat embarrassed i mean obviously everybody has to go through their stepping yeah, stones and sure. go through their learning curves but it's like that's out there forever <laughs> you know? and it's not i mean it, it's 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 very uncomfortable at times because you do sort of things you do naturally. You go, what do I do with my hands do you, when I talk? Do you talk? have a, a Ricky Bobby moment where you're standing there talking in your hands? Do my hands. <laughs> yeah. Did you, ever, like, did you ever think when you were in Denver and you thought maybe they wouldn't hire you because you're a cute blonde girl? Did you ever think that's the same reason maybe they're hiring me? Not because of what I know how to do, but they go, eh, we need a girl who's cute and blonde and good on TV. Mm. I definitely, when it came to that particular situation yeah. of television, I think it was like, you know, the, the this rumor has it is that they fought for me. Like the production company actually fought for me to be on the show because they're, you know, the original guy was like, no, 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 we can't put a girl on an off-road show. No, no, no. And yeah. then, and then they, somehow there was like a new director in place and they're like, oh yeah, pick the chick. You know, it, it was really that quick. Well, I think, I, I think the thing is, is, you know, people are, Especially in uh, TV land, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's kind of jaded and they go, oh, well, geez, it's just, you know, it's another model that's going to be on TV and she can't do anything. But, I mean, you bring this other dynamic, like you, you have so much talent in, in fabrication and you can you can look at something mechanical, figure out how it works, figure out how to make it better. And is probably something they weren't expecting. And all of a sudden you bring this credibility to your role on the show. And I, I would imagine that had to have helped ratings all the way around i think so because it it, it made me relevant you yeah know, it, it yeah, put yeah. me in like oh she actually does know what she's talking about like i've had multiple people write into me in the last you know five years and saying i was wrong about you like, yeah because you, you know, can... I thought when you were on television oh great they're just putting another girl in there to get ratings and then they started realizing like wow now on the flip side don't get me wrong there's still a lot of people out there that come out to me and be like do you really know how to weld right 
<laughs> do you really know what a wrench is? <laughs> you yeah. Know? It's like, uh, yeah. I do want to meet the guy who just has the welder kit that he brought with him. The, all right, let's see what you can do. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, and I always challenge people to a weld off. I'm like, well, if you want me to like, let's, you know, like, especially at SEMA. Cause you I'll know, throw it out. Yeah, there's, there's Good old fashioned welding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Come on, let's do this. You know, virtual welding, I suck at. But real welding, I, yeah, let's yeah. do it. So you actually drug people over to the uh, welding booths? I have. I have. And they're like, all right, all right, you're good. And I was <laughs> like, awesome. yeah, you want to do aluminum? <laughs> <laughs> do you like that, though? Do you like sort of having to feel you need to, even now, I mean, from as a kid to even now, sort of have to constantly prove yourself? Mm, it's really, it gets exhausting. Yeah. It really does because it's like, you know, after, after a while, after a while you get to a point where you're like, you know what, I think, I feel like I've reached a level where I've, literally proven myself you're to not an unknown anymore of people yeah. That, yeah, yeah exactly that i can do this stuff and that i'm capable of going beyond expectations and on the flip side though it's kind of like i try I do my best to not think of it because i'm a girl because mm-hmm. it could be any young kid it could be it could be any old dude you know like everybody's gonna test everybody's abilities so i do sure. my best to not you know yeah categorize me as oh there's doing it because i'm a girl although most of the time it is. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but but do you also see that as maybe, an, uh, you know, you can take this and turn it into a positive of not just, hey, I'm the cute blonde girl who's welding, but I can also show other girls well, this it's is the, a way to get into it's it. The, it's the, I'm the welder that just happens to be cute and blonde. Yeah, that's really what <laughs> you know, it is. You know, it's just flipping the script. Well, yeah. when everybody asks me, like, if, if they've just met me on an airplane or whatever, and they ask me, well, what do you do for a living? And I say, well, by trade, I'm a metal fabricator. And they're like, oh, really, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I build hot rods and motorcycles, and I'm mostly known for off-road trucks. And they're like, well, what got you into that? You know, and by the end of the plane ride, they're like, you should have your own television show. It's not, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> and you not, go, if I could only have just one, my life would be so much easier. I but I have to have 17. <laughs> I mean, that life is so glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> So well, there are a lot of long hours there, and and so you you uh, you were on Extreme Four by Four. You were doing that show, and then you uh, had a couple other things that happened to you, and you ended up expanding your TV career from there, right? Kinda, yeah. I mean, I'll be more than happy to talk about my back accident because that was kind of like the cherry on the top for sure. Um, about three years into filming, it was a down week, so we weren't actually filming that week. I was just putting parts with cars and cleaning up and. It got really messy around our studio. And um, and basically, I had a 550-pound industrial-sized bandsaw freakishly fall on me when we Ooh. were setting it up, talk on my head to my knees, and burst fracture my L3. So I have an L1 through oh L4 vertebrae fusion. Yeah. yeah, I have seven inches of rod running up and down my spine. Um, four hooks up at the top, two screws at the bottom, and my L3. If you look at the, if you look at my X-rays, they're still pretty much mashed potatoes, and they'll be in there forever. Like it's burst fracture. There's literally, my doctors call me a miracle case because with burst fractures, sure. there's hundreds of pieces or multiple pieces of your um, vertebrae that's actually broken up into chunks and yeah. pushing into your spinal cord. And a lot of people get paralyzed just by the bruising of their spinal cord. So I got really lucky by the fact that obviously I didn't puncture because otherwise I'd be bruised, but I should be paralyzed from the waist down. Ooh, that's wow. Terrible. Yeah. Well, the, the only thing, the only bad thing that's, I mean, it's a blessing in disguise. Cause well, the whole it, thing was bad. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it, it, it opened me up to knowing that I really enjoy being hands-on because it was hard for me to watch other people do my job when I could, when I was fully capable. How long of it. did that put you? Um, it was about a year to date Boy. after I left. Wow. From the surgery to end. I mean, it was. It put me down for three months officially. 
um, two months or three months to five months, those two months I was working uh, light duty at work. Like I come in maybe 15 hours a week, Yeah, you know, just to get myself on camera and to, you know, just to come into the studio and get myself in motion of being working again. And then um, at five months I had full work release. At eight months I had full medical release. And at 12 months is when I left RTM Productions. Wow, that's yeah. that's incredible. And, it, you know, it's... That's got to be an inspiring story for uh, for other people that have, you know, become disabled because of their work and, yeah. and similar injuries. To, you know, it is possible to come back. It, it really is, and this kind of ties in with your last comment, yeah. AJ. Is that, you know, it's it's one of my biggest mottos is never give up. I write that on so many posters and to so many little girls. And, you know, anything is possible. Like, those are probably my two biggest ones. Ne yeah. But never give up. It's just, like, even times where I feel like giving up and I just, like, I can't take this crap anymore. You know, I don't want to deal with these people and massive amounts of people and scrutinizing and all that stuff. That it's, like, sometimes I'm, like, I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm, like, but wait a minute. All of the lives that I've changed yeah. because of just by me doing what I do, by my perseverance, by my determination, it's so empowering and motivating and inspiring for other people that I started with. So when I was laid up with my back, I built my website. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started getting access to the outside world because yeah. there was no such thing as Facebook or MySpace back sure. then, you know? Well, it was for college, but it, w it wasn't really existed to the public. Right. So I all of a sudden started getting all these emails and I could read all of them. And I was finding that I was saving marriages, you know? like Really? Yeah, because wives would start understanding that it's not just a guy's thing anymore. And so whether they'd be drinking a cup of coffee or they'd be handing tools or they now have their own vehicle or a hot rod or whatever it is, like, it saved their marriages. Yeah. And to me, I was like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, younger boys knowing that girls are created equal. And then, of co course, girls are, like, one of my biggest motivators of why I keep doing this every single day is because they, they realize that anything is possible, that, sure. that they can get dirty, they can go fast, they can have fun, and they can still be girls. You know, at the end of the day, we're still wired differently than guys. Right. We don't have a choice about that. You know, no matter how manly I am, I'm still a chick. You know, yeah. I still have my yeah. mood swings. You know, I still want to go shopping. I still want to look pretty. You know, so it's kind of one of those things that it's like, I think I can show these girls because a lot of people tend to think that if a woman's involved in the automotive industry, she's got to be butch or she's right, got to be right. tough, you know, or she's got to be practically. Or elite. she's got to be really pretty in a dress and stand next to a car. And know nothing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There, it's it's so weird. It's there. You can be completely one end and be totally accepted or you can be completely the other and be totally accepted. Mm -hmm. But if you fall sort of somewhere in the middle, it's. No, that doesn't work. And it's yeah. a really difficult line because you get way more attention when you take your clothes off. <laughs> I can well, it's true. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I can be, I can vouch for that because the, you can look anywhere on the internet and you can pretty much not find, you won't ever really find me wearing anything with a midriff or, you know, my chest hanging out or anything that's scandalous of any sort of nature, you know? Mm -hmm. So it kind of keeps it to a point where it's like, I'm still a true role model for a lot of girls out there, which right. is is weird to me. Definitely yeah. coming from my perspective of like, oh my gosh, like all these people look up to me. Weird, weird, weird. But in the same turn, when I look at some another girl and she's you know spread eagle on the hood of a car, and I had respect for her before, and then I see this picture and it's like, what are you doing? Like yeah. that you just lost all respect. Mm -hmm. from pretty much the entire industry. Good job on you. Right. You know? I mean, to me, knowledge is power. 
you know, I think knowledge is sexy. And so for, I would much rather be smarter than sexier. But I mean, do you think you can sort of, I mean, to sort of play devil's advocate and I, and I agree with you, but do you think you can be like a Danica Patrick who can be, take very sexy, provocative car photos and be taken serious? You don't think you can have it best of both ways? Maybe. But in your opinion, no? It's difficult for me to see girls do that when mm-hmm. there's so much more. Yeah. You know? There's so much more. Great. Danica's a great driver. But she's, you know, she's a, she's a great driver. Mm-hmm. But why does she have to play that role? Why does she have to go down right. that path? You know, right, it's right. kind of, it's disappointing because it's like you want other girls to be like, oh, be just like Danica, but wait. Keep your clothes on. Don't spread your legs. Don't wear hot leather shorts, yeah. you know? Right. But drive like she can, you know? And it's kind of sometimes it's those lines, those those need to be defined heavily. Like, if you're going to be like Danica, be like the good things, you know? Sure. And if you're going to be like Jesse, be the good things. Okay. Right. <laughs> Which is everything. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> do you... Um, do you... I mean... Obviously. Do you get these... Do people offer you? Because you get... TV offers you get. Do you ever get the, hey, you want to come do a photo spread? Hey, you want to do Maxim or? The I funny mean, thing is, is no. Like even like Hot Rod Magazine, I've never been asked to do a cover. I've never, um, I know. I've never been asked by Playboy. There's been a couple tattoo magazines that have asked me, but it's kind of like the really dirty scandalous ones. And so I've chose not to. Mm-hmm. Um, so no. But and the funny thing is, is like on the flip side, I think if you were to ever see that much of me, it would be for my athletic side, not for the car side, if that means, you know. Do like, you ever get gotcha. the opposite? Do you ever get guys going, I don't want to come off sexist, so I'm going to overcompensate around you? I'm going to overly treat you like a guy or overly, you know, because they go, I know she's, you know, very much into feminism and, you know, mentoring women and bringing girls up. I'm going to overly treater regular i'm just gonna blow everyone out of the water guys don't know how to act around me period (laughs) can't figure you out it goes every single direction that you can possibly think of they can't look me in the eye when they're having a conversation if i if i walk up to like a booth at a trade show or something Mm -hmm. along the lines and i walk up with a guy they'll have the whole conversation with the guy even though the conversation is about me weird like they won't they can't look me in the eye they have it's it's very it's a very interesting dynamic of the people that I come across because then you get the people that are starstruck and don't know how to talk. Right. And then you get the guys that just don't know how to talk to girls, period. And then you get the guys <laughs> that are like, watch me, I'm super macho and I'm better yeah. than you. And then it's like, and then it ruins it. And it's like, you're just, yeah, you're trying too hard. It's, it's very interesting. And I just, I have to laugh at it because I, you know, I know I haven't seen it all yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, how, sure. so when you go to SEMA, I mean, how do you sort of feel seeing the, because booth babes at every, I mean, it, it is a staple of a car show like that where it's. I think those girls hold their place for sure. And there's a lot of models that are actually really cool chicks, yeah. you know, and I think that there's a, there's another opportunity for those kind of girls to actually get involved and mm-hmm. like, you know, start taking some classes, start doing some stuff. So they do have the better knowledge. I'm not necessarily opposed to that. I just think it's it's never been in a position for like I've just never felt right with it. Yeah. Ever sure. whether it's cars or 
nudie bars. You know what I mean? Like it's. <laughs> and that's yeah. the same reason I don't do modeling, and I turn down the offers because. <laughs> and you are damn sexy. Uh, well, no, I know, and but you know, I want people to be in love with my mind too. So I have to, and you know, for young podcasting children coming up in the world, I, sure. I have to lead lead a good example. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and for me, there's a reason we do an audio podcast. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's for everybody across the board, whether I'm working with them, whether I'm mentoring them or whether I'm dating them it's you know like I want you to respect me for who I am as a person and for the achievements that I want to make in my life and the goals I have set for myself and the healthy things that I want to do and you know the places I want to see not because I can show my skin sure sure you know what I mean I think there's so much more grandiose out there than just taking my clothes off and I think I think also taking your clothes off is a very intimate thing that that's something that you know, you should share in the bedroom with your loved one, like your sure. husband and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So it's, to me, I, it's, there's a place for it because obviously this is a male dominated industry and it works. It mm-hmm. definitely works. Sex sells. Right. And it's not like I hate those girls. Did you, know? you see the I just wheel always booth? Like, I'm always like, does your mom know what you do? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the wheel booth? The CEC, uh, the women in the aquarium, chick aquarium, SEMA. It's sad, isn't it? I it was bizarre. Like, they're almost like slaves. Like and it, it, <laughs> it was it's weird. So funny. I, it was, I was because we walked around SEMA and and I said to Chris, I said, I love to ogle women with the best of them. Right. <laughs> I feel bad for a lot of these women, and I almost you know we wanted to interview, and I thought a good thing to maybe interview is, but I don't, I don't think one would want to maybe admit because they're they're working. I want to talk and kind of pick their brain of how weird is it with guys coming up to you for a week and how creepy is it and how uncomfortable do you feel? Yeah. You know, th- there was a, that Tesla, Saline Tesla, uh-huh. and I wanted to get a photo of it. And without even thinking, I just asked the model, would you mind taking a step to the side? Because you're blocking the shot of the car. Yeah. And I had a guy kind of laugh at me and she gave me this, it, I felt so bad, <laughs> this like very earnest, thank you. Like, thank you for not making me stand here and pose with this car. Yeah, and um, making me a subject. But at the same time, I, you know, because I, I handle the editorial side of, of the website we do, if I could do a top 10 hottest women I saw at the LA Auto Show post, I would know that would do a thousand times better exactly. than just here are the top 10 cars. Exactly. But it's not what we're about, you know? Yeah. Right. We're about cars. Yeah. And you you were in, what, four or five different booths? Signing? Uh, I had seven different seven. photograph sessions. Okay. But yeah, I think it was four four booths. Yeah, four booths. Falcon Tire, which those models are fantastic. I love the Falcon sure, Tire yeah. models. They were actually very helpful. By the me. way, yeah. this is all gross and weird, except for these seven booths. They're all salt of the earth. Great fun. They're all they're all mature, responsible. Yeah, I'm not a model. I love it when like the agents come up or something and they don't know that I'm like they don't know my You're supposed set. to be there. Yeah. Yeah, and they're like, Oh, me take will you sign? And I'm like, uh, yeah, here you go. It's just so generic, but like all my fans, true fans, there's a there's you know, we relate to each other. Um, so there was, there was Falcon Tire because, um, I raced with them this year in Ultra mm-hmm. Four Series and ended up, uh, uh, well, it, it key the hammers. I'm sure, sure. everybody knows yeah. it key the hammers, the mo- number one, most brutal one day off-road race in the entire world. And I went the first queen of the hammers and I raced in the spec class and I actually came across first place. Wow. And Congratulations. Then, thank you. And then I raced the entire series and we won the national championship. Congrats. So, um, so that was kind of a big deal for me to be at SEMA with them and kind of representing that. 
holding my title. Oh, da, da, da. How many autographs do you think you signed all oh, week? Well, and then I went directly to the Fabtech trade show right afterwards. So I signed well over 3,000 autographs wow. in a, less than a week. Your wow. hand must be That's, cramped. And you must just, when someone hands you, you know, your debit card back to sign a receipt, and you go, and who do you want me to make this out to? <laughs> it must just become such muscle memory. You're writing, don't give up on, <laughs> yeah. on your checks. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I, I asked Rutledge Wood uh, the same question. He goes, I have no clue. He goes, I've just, I just keep signing. Yeah. He goes, just wherever I go, I keep signing. We were trying to think how many autographs all together in the entire week. It has to mean the hundreds of thousands. Has to be. Oh, I bet, yeah. It just in all the celebrities, all the TV shows, all the booths. The lines the around lines. the booths. and the It's lines. crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. But for us, on the flip side, it's rewarding. Oh, yeah, When absolutely. there are lines. And I'm like, yes, I'm doing some. Because... All seven People autographs still care. <laughs> for two hours, I was signing the entire time. Sure. There was no stopping, no breaks, no nothing. And it was like I constantly had to cut How many off. times did you have to stop to weld something, though? No, um, never, actually, I didn't have to. I didn't have time to, to be honest with you. Not this year. Not between all of the things that I was judging and the panels I was on. And no, SEMA's SEMA's not so for me. So to kind of to go back from mm -hmm. your accident, and you said that was sort of the the cherry on the top that pushed you into the TV side or the more. How did that develop into sort of what you're doing now on TV? Well, it kind of opened up my doors. I all of a sudden yeah. became an independent contractor, and I could say yes or no, and I could start taking certain jobs and start doing other things. You know, I didn't have to be in the studio building stuff all the time. So, you know, one of the first gigs that came up was um, hosting uh, Full Throttle TV, which was behind the scenes. <laughs> Please don't go look them up. <laughs> 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 behind the scenes. Um, view of everything that goes like with all of the drivers at NHRA top fuel. Uh -huh. Okay. So yeah, so like Tony Schumacher and I we go hang out, we'll go ride motorcycles. Sorry, That's Don. Cool. I probably shouldn't have admitted that, but you know what I mean? Like we'd go like I just hang out with all of the drivers. I became friends with all of the drivers. But the funny thing is is that being a host where when I'm not billing anything is when all of a sudden I go to like I went to my first NASCAR event. Mm -hmm. and it was a Coke 600 in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. 600 500? I don't follow now. I'm, sure. I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah. 550, I think. Yeah. yeah. Five, well, we'll agree to disagree. 5.63. <laughs> um, and I'm walking around the pits, and all of the, the pit guys are like, Jesse, can I get your autograph? And it's like, the pit guys, the drivers are like, I don't care who you are, I'm going to treat you like boo, like I treat everybody yeah. else. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm more important. It's a good Dale Earnhardt Jr. impression, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that sounds exactly like A blonde nothing. And so basically, it ended up getting to the point where I was like, all right, cool, cool. I'm, I'm getting kind of recognized. Yeah. And so I'm sitting at a dinner with Brandon Bernstein, and he was like, so what is this? My crew tells me that you're some sort of famous fabricator. <laughs> like, I've been working with you all year, Brandon, and now, yeah. Now, now you find out. Yeah. So what, what – because you've done a gazillion different times from just, just hosting to yep. driving to fabricating. What is sort of your ideal situation when you're on camera? All of the above. Okay. Good um, answer. You yeah. seem like you like variety. I do. I like mixing it up because I get bored yeah. really easy. I like I like exploration and adventure and trying new things. So um, I Mythbusters was really cool because it was like we really got to use our brains and be creative and have fun. What was your favorite myth to bust? Um, I think my favorite myth to bust was skipping across water, like in Cannonball 3. If yeah. you can skip a car across water? Yeah, and you can. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, you totally can. You just can't have a ramp, and you can't have a table hiding underneath the water, and you have to be going a certain speed. But you basically have to have, like, enough 
surface. Well, to they, I mean, you see like uh, motocross guys. Bottom. Yeah, so it skids like a sled. You yeah. see motocross guys, they'll do it. Even say maybe it's just mm-hmm. me. Maybe I haven't. Well, yeah, the, yep. You guys are all giving me the no, crazy look. No, I've seen it, and I've seen, I've seen a lot of they things do it like on snowmobiles. Water. Even they'll they'll skip across yeah. as far as they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yep. it. That's all I had about that. Well, that's, they kind of that's have good. the paddle. Like, the skids are kind of like the paddles. Okay. You know, so it helps sure. propel them along. And, like, some of the off-road cars that I've seen, they have, like, the bigger lugs on the, the tires. Yeah, and, the big paddle tire. Yeah, so that that really helps. Gives a little bit to get traction. But that was it was, it was was all of them were really great. I mean, I, I was really lucky that the directors um, kind of were making them automotive shows for me, you know? Yeah. I got to put nitrous on cars, and I got to go drive in the dark go-cars for two nights solid for, like, 12 hours, solid, I got to drive go-karts. By, like, night three, we're kind of sore and stiff. And dumb. <laughs> are, you ever, are you ever pitching your own projects as, hey, you know it would be a great idea for a car show? This thing I'm working on. Yeah. The funny thing is is that um, in the 11 years that I've been doing television, I have never had a vehicle built on television. I have my – that's not true. I have my Land Cruiser, but it never was finished because I broke my back before it was finished. So, basically, it's this hunk of – junk rolling chassis <laughs> that i just keep together so i can keep the parts and then i'll rebuild it at some point in time but yeah and oh yeah like i got 40 pounds of tannerite waiting to blow that thing up i'm gonna yeah. tear it apart blow it up rebuild it oh yeah i have grandiose plans of like what can i do for my own television show and are you trust me i got probably five of the most awesome television show ideas right now and it's just a matter of do i have the time for them yeah, that's got to be a challenge. And how I make my whole life work together as one. Because right now I feel really spread out. And like I travel 77% of the year. I'm gone out of the state of California. Well, and part of you still needs to fabricate, I'm sure. I you still, need to create. Right. And then right? I get home and I have to deal like, like operate my own business, you know. So right. like I, then I have to deal with everything else as far as scheduling and ideas and collaborations and sponsors and negotiations and contracts. And, you know, it's like it doesn't stop for me. That's why like sometimes I go silent because it's like I've been gone long enough and I just need to just buckle down and so like sometimes i don't get on facebook and people get scared <laughs> like what are you what did she do to herself now yeah why, why are you not <laughs> did she there? fall well they know when something goes wrong that i'll tell i'll, t- I'll talk to him but i'm not going to talk to him when i'm like i'm doing accounting <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah recently you uh you had another issue uh, yeah. that came up and and you did spend a lot of time on facebook i follow you on facebook and you were kind of uh, enlightening the, everybody along the way. It but. was the only thing I could do when I was laid up in bed again. And the, it was just so, oh, I was so angry because I was actually, funny thing, I was on my way to the airport to fly out to Nashville because that was a mm-hmm. workman's comp case. So nobody will pick up the case in California. So I have to go back to Nashville to see my doctor so I can have my annual checkups because it's a workman's comp case and I have to. And so This is your motorcycle accident. Yeah, well, I was on my way to the airport to Nashville to go see my back doctor for my About, back accident. Right. Room. Eight years ago. Oh, wow. And I get hit and I get T-boned on my motorcycle (laughs) two blocks away from my shop. And thankfully, it was slow enough where I had slowed down enough and she had slowed down enough. But basically, she just didn't look left before she went again. And she just ran right into me and crushed 14 to 20 bones in my right foot. And so... um, and like two lacerations and I got a big dent on the outside of my leg. It's still healing. It's still, it's still pretty pissed yeah, this off was at me. Pretty, I mean, this was just a couple of months ago. This was just October 6th. Yeah. It wasn't even a couple of months ago. It was like five weeks ago. Because I think I remember I heard you on the Smoking Tire podcast and you were talking about you just finished building. Is it the Triumph? Yeah. It was like a Trackster. You just finished building. And then I think within a week or two, 
you put photos of your foot, so thank you for that on oh, Facebook. And all of the wiki feet people. Oh, wiki feet. I, I saw those photos on Facebook, and I went, I never needed to see that. Thank you. I did. I could have. Somebody could have just said, hey, Jesse was in an accident. I didn't need to see the visual. Well, you know, I thought the blood and gore would really put a stamp on the importance. Well, sure. Yeah. Sure. No, can't it's, forget that. Driving safe. Look left again. This thing's the so, thing that's going to happen. So you get hit by the truck. Is your first thought, oh, my foot hurts so bad? Or is it, oh, crap, my bike? <laughs> it was all, it, it all kind of hit me right at the same yeah. time because I was like, I looked at my foot and I was like, damn it. And then I looked at my bike and I'm like, because I had even done more work since the Smoking Tire podcast because mm-hmm. I just got out for the babes right out. So the only thing I really had left to do on my bike was exhaust and rear shocks. And I was just waiting for my rear shocks to come in. And now it's a full rebuild. And now it's going to be a full rebuild. I am very sorry to hear that. And you Is it going to be uh, bigger and better and faster and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. And there's a lot of people. I'm very, very blessed with the connections that I've made in my life. There's a lot of people that are really stepping up to the plate to really help me rebuild that bike. That's cool. To the bike that I really, really wanted it to be. So it's going to have almost double the horsepower. It's going to have performance front end, steering dampener. I mean, it's going to be a performance machine now where it's just going to be solid. And That's does, cool. does it, yeah. any of this ever... And still look amazing. You you because you were talked about how into biking you were before. Is it something you just won't give up? I mean, are you ever going? Maybe I shouldn't be on a motorcycle. You know, when I look at it, I've been riding a motorcycle for thirty years, and this is the first accident I've been involved in with another car. I'm not I'm not slowing down now. Because I, I right it's now. just something that happened. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. kick around wanting to get a motorcycle, uh-huh. and and I've I had a dirt bike as a kid, but I actually ride a motorcycle, and I think if I just drop it, I'm gonna go. No, I'm done. I'm I think it's the fear of the accident what's keeping me from it. So uh-huh. it's I think it's you've got to be sort of wired as I ride motorcycles. Well, I know that with like the first time that I moved to California, I was slightly uneasy. I wouldn't say scared, but I was really uneasy about going out in LA. And what I found about driving riding my motorcycle in LA is that the main thing that I was most scared about was getting lost. And so when I discovered headphones and GPS, yeah. I was like, my life is saved and yeah. because you can split lanes here. I love it. And, and like, as long as you do it within reason, there's a lot of guys out there that can kind of overdo it and yeah. make it really yeah. scary. But splitting lanes is like, I just get a laugh at everybody who's stuck in traffic. I'm like, ha, 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 You know, like. You were the one that was laughing at me the other yeah, day driving. pointing <laughs> on the 405. <laughs> yeah. Sucks to be you guys, you know. So <laughs> it's, it's, I wouldn't, I couldn't live in LA without a motorcycle now. But I, it was that scary thought of like somebody just switching lanes and there I go. Yeah. There's definitely that risk factor, but I would rather be risky than. And you've been back on a bike since? Um, no, because I don't have a bike to ride right now. That so is my bike a, is not yet fixed. That will stop you. Yeah. So you went from having your foot shattered to going to SEMA and standing and walking and doing all that only in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. I had... Um, that must have been painful while you were there. At week two, I got a walking boot. End of week three and a half, I was... Um, it was Friday. It was like literally like three and a half weeks into it. And Monday, I went to SEMA. Jeez. And my SEMA technically started on Sunday because I went to the drag races and gotcha. then all my meetings and everything on Monday. And then, oh, yeah, it was – I think I think she's still pissed off at me. Yeah. Yeah. The foot or the doctor? <laughs> the foot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, because – and then I was only home for a day, basically slept for a day, and then turned around and went to Atlanta to the Fabtech trade show and did it again. So – We could have put you in one of those rascals. We could have. 
you would have probably the coolest rascal. They don't go fast enough. See? Like, we needed to really plan that out months in advance to make sure that I had the power. Well, the good news is at the rate rate you're going, you're only bound to hurt yourself again. (laughs) So I say now start building the gas-powered... You know, seven horsepower Briggs and Stratton rascal. There you go. I love your faith in me, AJ. And then, but you'll be ready. You'll be ready to go. And, you know, if not, if you don't use it, even better. You look at that and go, hey, another day I didn't use the rascal. But it'll it'll be there just in case. So you you, uh, got into overhauling, of course, and you've uh, spent some time uh, behind the camera on that show, um, or in front of the camera, rather. Uh, So you were... You were building, you were hosting. What was that experience like? Because they, I mean, they go nonstop when they're building these cars. They don't cut and go home and come back the next day, right? Yeah. A little known secret that we can't tell anybody is that when the return of overhauling came back, we built the car in three weeks instead of seven days. Well, even at three weeks, that's... Still the same a amount ridiculous of hours, amount of work. <laughs> well, when we came here to the Peterson Museum for the Camaro, yeah, yeah. I mean, we were still building that car up until the very last oh, yeah. minute, and that I think that was like car two that we built yeah, in the return season. You guys were tweaking it and working on it as we were pushing it through the museum market. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, oh, we got to bolt the spoiler on the front. <laughs> in popular Down to the wire. fashion, yeah. Does that sort of though play into what cars are going to be picked, what needs to be done, or? You know, and Chip, who's got such an eye for design, mm. does he go, well, I want to do this, but we got to kind of ring it back in because of the three weeks, the because network, of the week? The network tries to ring him back in. Yeah. And and he'll he'll pull back every once in a while, but mm-hmm. then there's times where it's like, well, what I'm doing to the car isn't slowing it down, so he's going to keep doing what he's going to do anyway. He's Chip. He can, you know. Or he gets a project like that Lotus uh, that, oh, uh, that took about six months. Actually. Yeah, that was yeah. Uh, completely over the top. I was just looking at Europa build. I mean, it was amazing. 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 And yeah. I mean, like, every time I look at the photographs of that car and I think back of, like, how much work is going into that car, every single there body was line was changed on that car. There was original Lotus on it, I don't think. The, I mean, I think it would have been easier for him to just go. The s- lower half of the doors. Was the only original piece. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It, Actually, the wheel, like even where the window openings were, we just added to it so the actual door opened on the roof instead of straight across where you could see it yeah. visually from the side. So, I mean, literally every possible body line that you could think of on that car was changed. We shortened it inches, like four inches. I love the headlights that were on it. Porsche headlights. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, that was it, a cool cause car. Because the, the Europa is one of those cars where, and we've got one out in the vault. It's you look and you go, oh, that's a cool car. And then you look at it from another and go, no, it's not. Yeah, some when, parts of it are kind of weird. And when you look at it sitting next to another Europa, yeah. oh, my God, it's night and day. Yeah. Night yeah. and day. It, it's just one of those, like. You, beautiful, subtle touches that, ju- that like, what the how the car should have been designed in the very first place. Now, did you, uh, did you know what car was coming in, or did they just kind of surprise you? We knew the lotus because i was actually sitting in the parking lot for a while we'd be gotcha. like we didn't start on that until we were probably in the fourth or fifth car gotcha. of the season so um but yeah those guys didn't I mean, did you walk by it every day and go oh my gosh yeah like what are we gonna do to this <laughs> like i can i can't wait to see chip's design and then you see it and you're like oh, oh I we I gotta build that as you yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i wish i had those skills <laughs> is there something you're still waiting to work on that you want to be on the show that hasn't been on on overhauling? Yeah. Yeah. What would be a, the, the, the car? Or that just you a really project like for on? you in general. If something where you go, if I was given this, you know, if somebody just gave me this as a donor or something to step off of, 
I would love to do something to you it. You know, it's pretty cool. It's pretty crazy because that show is like you, you you never know what car you're going to get. So you learn so much about so many different makes and models. I mean, the Volkswagens are so much different than the American make cars. Sure. And, you know, the vans and the, the trucks. and Yeah, they did a Sunbeam Tiger that yeah. is kind of completely new for a show like that. Right? Yeah. So um, it's – you. No, yes, yes, because you want to see everything because you want to learn everything. But, I mean, I think they do such a good job in keeping it very the, – the variety in where it keeps it interesting. So, But I, I it would be cool to see, like, a couple more, like, lead sleds in some of the, like, the 40s cars and the 30s cars. Yeah, sure. that would be cool. Yeah. Do you have something in your personal life? Because you, you were talking about your building off-roading cars. Is there something where you go, once everything's caught up, once, you know, if budget's not uh, an issue – I can just go out and create this from just for myself. Do you have sort of something in your head? <laughs> Is that day ever going to come? No. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. It's never going to come, but it's something nice to think about. Um, yeah. You know, I did. I fell in love with a 38 DeSoto when I went to Wyotech. It was an instructor's car of mine. It was a two-door fastback. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the chop top with all oxyacetylene welding and... Um, whoever whoever started the chop top did it crooked, so I had to cut it all out and redo it. Mm. So I got really, really good at oxyacetylene welding. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, w- I wanted to try and keep it, you know, nostalgic with the car. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then they ended up lowering it and putting it on airbags, and then we painted scallops on it. And we put it in the car show, and it ended up getting like best um, work in project progress. And I was like. <gasps> that's the car that I've been working on. Like, yeah. and I, you know, I, I was, I was really stoked on it cause I didn't necessarily know that it was even up for an, for an award. Sure. So it was, it was really cool. And I really fell in love with that car. And I think if I could have that car again or something, you know, I don't know. I always, I, something Cruella de Villish, you know, <laughs> would be yes. long hood, <laughs> yes. giant, like uh, railroad, uh, horns on the side. Big, yeah. yeah. Spare tire on the side <laughs> in the front. I went to uh, went to Disney Euro Disney, and they have some Hollywood vehicles over there, and they actually had the Panther that was Cruella Deville's car. Really, and it's sitting on a platform, and it's up close, not not so pretty, not as evil looking, <laughs> not as evil looking as you might think it so is, but an interesting car, nevertheless. Yeah. Um, so you you were doing overhauling, and then you also um, did a thousand on one. Still doing that. You're still doing that. What number are you on? Well, we don't go in order. We actually go in order of the list of like number one. Like a lot of people's, I think our top one was Germany as far as Nürburgring and Autobahn. Autobahn And yeah, the Velt and all the manufacturers over there. And yeah, so so we kind of knocked that one off the list. But, you know, Baja 1000. But we never really go in order because we can't because the events don't happen in order. Yeah. You know, so. Um, but, uh, actually we were supposed to be going to Italy last month, but I got in my motorcycle accident and couldn't drive. So, um, I think we're, we're in line for driving microcars through Rome, uh, Maserati through the Swiss Alps and Ferrari through Milan and a lot of the historical places. And we were going to try and land one more supercar, but they wouldn't tell me because it was still up in the air, which would be a fourth episode that we'll film in Italy. So. Yeah, and then we're filming wow. this this coming weekend. We're filming F one, so I got to go drive uh-huh. an F one car. I'm really oh, stoked how exciting! That. Are you going now to Abu Dhabi for it? No. Oh, to, to Formula One? Yeah. No, we're oh, actually staying in in the United States. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually right. in California. For once, I can't tell anybody where. Well, I guess by the time this airs, it'll be clear. Sure. So we're yeah, we're going to Palm Springs. 
It was a toss-up between Austin and Palm Springs, but it's just like an F1 experience, I guess. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so we'll Very see how cool. it goes. Which, which was, has been your most fun experience so far in, on that show? It's really difficult because I think every adventure we go on, I mean, these guys have become my brothers. They're like yeah. family to me. We've traveled around the world, and they've been there for some of my most epic moments in life. You know, even when, sure. I, set, when I set my land speed record, it was like, hey, guys, I'm going to be doing this. Do you want to film it? Like, I'm gotcha. going to Bonneville to get my licenses, mm-hmm. and I am going to go and set a world land speed record. Do you want to be a part of this? And they were there. And same thing with King of the Hammers. They were there when I took first place at King of the Hammers. And they were there when I took second place at the Baja 1000. And, you know, so, you know, the Arctic Circle. I mean, just um, Alaska alone is is amazing. But when you're dealing with negative 50 degree temperatures yeah. it's, and you're, you know, like all you got is each other, it's yeah. kind of, you you're know. pretty it's, close. Yeah. 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 yeah so it's uh, every... Almost every episode is very, very, um, very special to me. So I can't really pick one over the other by any means. What was the hardest one? Um, escaping a car underwater. That, that would be would, a little scary. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it would was be really little... scary to, even though we had all of the oxygen and the safety precautions sure. and that kind of stuff, just being lowered into the water in would a freak car. freak me out. Because it's all slow, it right? And, yeah, and waiting for it to fill up. And then, like, once it gets to that point, it's like it happens so fast, you know? And you have to, like, <gasps> you know, it's And it's, you really can't break the glass or open the door. Like, we I think that was a Mythbusters, the, too. We had to go through the three different processes of um, trying to open the door underwater yeah. or, like, wait until you op- can get, like, full equal pressure yeah fully underneath submerged and then you can get out um we tried opening the door halfway like if you're still sinking that doesn't really work um and then breaking the glass for sure with that i love that sonic hammer yeah we just used a center like a spring-loaded center punch oh all right well you know teach their but own the sonic hammer sounds way cooler the sonic hammer does sound cool <laughs> that sounds like a ride at uh at, at an amusement park the, the sonic, sonic hammer, hammer. Yeah. yeah i'd go to the carnival ride the sonic hammer yeah i mean it costs more it's know, right next to the gravitron compared to six but yeah. it's worth it um so you you've done you've done weird races and i mean that in the best way possible because bonneville king of the hammers it's not you know it's not fast laps at you know fontana yeah what is it something you sort of set out to hey i want to go do this let's see if i can or is it someone from bonneville goes hey would you like to go do this well the bonneville has always been one of those things that i've wanted to go experience yeah. what speed week was all about because i mean that's where a lot of our racing stem from mm-hmm. right so and and i've been to the salt flats just never during a sanctioned event so it was i've always just wanted to go see what happens and how they set it up because i mean the, the salt is just amazing it's so surreal it's it's amazing and so when the North American Eagle land speed team came to me and asked if I wanted to drive their car, then I had to go through the process and I'm like, well, Bonneville's the first step mm-hmm. and then so on and so forth. So, um, to answer your question, I, it's when opportunities are presented to me, I do everything I can to really wrap my head around it and see, okay, is assess this, the situation. Yeah. Is this, is this an alignment with my mission? Is this something that's really going to make waves? Is this going to be, or is this just something to get seat time in or, you know, which is very important as well, but it's like, yeah. what, what is it? But if, you know, setting a land speed record, being the fastest woman on, on land, I mean, to me, that's like saying, Hey, wake up world. Nobody's tried to do this in almost 40 years. Yeah. Well, why do you and, think that's been the case? 
I, I, I think a lot of it is just women aren't necessarily accepted in that category. Of, yeah, it is kind of an old guy's sport, isn't you know, it? I Lee, mean, there's a lot of... Yeah. I, Lee Breedlove's record is the one I broke, and she made that record in 1965. Now, I'm still trying wow. to break Kitty O'Neill's record. Um, so Lee's was 308, mine's 398. Okay. So I stomped that one. Yeah, like you if certainly you, If you know about land speed and you're trying to break land speed records, like a half a mile faster is... Yeah, yeah you, you still won. It's, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the whole world. Like, you have the world as a trophy, right? Yeah. So I stomped Lee's. No offense, Lee. I still think you're great. Um, and then Kitty O'Neill, she set hers in 1976 at 512 in a three-wheeled rocket car. So she's three-wheeled rocket car. What was the vehicle that you set, the, the class you were in that you set the record? Technically, it's, it's the North American Eagle, and it's okay. an F-104 Starfighter jet without wings. So Got basically, it. we clip the wings so it still has the fuselage. It still looks like a plane. I mean, the tail is a little shortened, but it still has the nose cone. It's. I mean, it looks still. It's like a fighter a, jet. It's a. So yeah. it's it's turbine powered versus a rocket with a J seventy. So it's engine. it's it's the engine basically that separates those classes. Yes. Okay. Well, it's not. Necessarily I was just trying to wrap my mind around. It's not necessarily a class because then when you start getting to nuts and bolts, there's not really a class for women either. So it's right. not like it's 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 a world record. It's not a SCTA sanctioning. Record, gotcha. If that makes any sense. Gotcha. It's a Guinness Book World Record. Gotcha. Yeah. Of being the world's fastest woman. Yes. So right now I'm the world's fastest woman on four wheels at 398 with a top speed okay. of 440. And then you go, you'll go. And then I'm trying to be the fastest the woman wheel. on earth as well. Uh, I gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Are you going to have a business card made up that just says Jesse Combs, fastest woman on earth? That would be a cool business. Or at card. least change the signature in your email <laughs> of Jesse Combs, fastest woman on earth. Uh, eventually i would like to i should be the fastest woman on earth right now except for we were going to go out in september but the um the lake bed hadn't seen we we test in the alver desert in the southeast corner of oregon and the lake bed had not seen any rain since 10 days prior to my last run so my last run i was supposed to have 10 miles only ended up getting seven miles which is why i didn't break kitty's record Mm. but then this year it was too rough too hard packed too bumpy and just way too dangerous for us to be setting any records but um, my business card does say rad. Does that count? Yeah. No, I mean, I'll take that. I mean, business cards are so cheap these days. I feel like you can get two sets printed <laughs> up. Kind of, You're a you jack of all trades, so maybe you should have one or two different kinds. But. You have a whole selection. You, you open up the uh, the wallet, and instead of having different credit cards, you just have different business like cards. Jim Bond had one. like nine different passports he would travel with. Sure. I would say you just have, yeah, have a couple different, you know, whoever you're, if you're to tell them television producer right. put you know from over holland if it's you know anyone else say fastest woman in the world okay. there you go yeah i i yeah I, I it of, happens it's on a lot of posters and stuff but i'm done i don't i think maybe it. you should be her agent is, is that or at least start? your business card manager <laughs> yes <laughs> that's that's all you know what? business card you manager. would make my life so much easier you, i'll get you a caddy just a <laughs> you know business card caddy Wow, I don't know. That might be a little too much. That's very thoughtful of you. I, it's just it's something to think about. It's just something to consider. <laughs> hey, look, you haven't broken the record yet, so we're going to stay off Vista Prince until then anyways. Yeah. But, uh, but but as soon as I do, you're going to be the first person I call. So what's next? I, I can't wait to hear. Yeah. <laughs> what is next? And but, but before we get to what's next, what's it feel like going that fast? Yeah, good point. For me, yeah, it is so fast it's almost slow. It's so loud it's quiet. It's dead silent. It's so rough it's like you're floating through the air it's um it's like everything goes away and you just get into super hyper focus mode ultimate tunnel vision well you got a lot at risk right there you know you got a million dollar car you got your life you got you know a lot of people like kind of 
cheering you on yeah. <laughs> you know so, you can't hear them but they're cheering <laughs> yeah they're cheering so it's 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 um it's the most thrilling thing i will ever experience in my entire life and is there ever i mean because it's how long are you at speed it's a well it's at speed um the when when i went 440 we measured from mile three and a half to four and a half so four and a half miles is basically leading all the way up to it but i mean that's uh, and then it takes me two and a half miles to stop so is the whole thing a minute long? Um, it takes me less than two minutes to do seven miles. I, do you have time to sort of be in your head going, keep this straight, don't roll, I'm going really fast, look at this? I mean, is there time to sort of take it in? No, I do what I'm supposed to do. You just... I just make sure the car goes straight. <laughs> I don't... I mean, I don't... You don't have time to think like... Yeah. I mean, if it's going left, you push it a little right. If it's going right, you push it a little So left. there's nothing in your head where you ever kind of just look out the side and go, wow, I'm going really fast. <laughs> I, I, what's it like to, I mean, the whole point is to go straight, so you're not, you know, you're not going around corners, but what's it like to try to steer something that's that massive, that's going at that speed? Do, do, is it like a featherlight wheel, or are you really putting some muscle into to, to try to keep the course? The cockpit is still like a fighter jet. So I still have the joystick. There's all the triggers. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, for the guns and stuff. And I play with them all the time like they're going to do something. And then... um, Yeah, I would totally do that. And then my throttle is actually still the same military throttle on my left hand. So I go all the way up through military throttle. And then once it goes into afterburners, that's when... That's when... All hell breaks. Oh, that's when your dance, your your pants are dancing. It's it's the best. It's the absolute coolest thing in the world is when you go into afterburners. Chris, we're going land speed record racing. Right I, I've got our new, I've got our next goal. Well, we do have our Arfons's uh, uh, green we'll monster out there. We'll we'll just fire it up and get it going again. Jesse, get the welding kit going. Let's <laughs> let's get this project going. I, make I'm it excited. Faster. But to answer your question, though, it's it's definitely one of those things where it's you don't necessarily think about it. You don't have to because you can feel it. It's a full body experience. Yeah. You don't, there's not much thinking about it. Do you even mm-hmm. remember it sort of when you're done or when you think about mm-hmm. it? Is every it, step. You remember every part of it. It's yep. not just that was a weird blur. I can't believe I did that. Correct. I remember everything. And I think it's because, you know, every day I train, I, I know that checklist by heart. Yeah. You know, and it's basically like a three-page checklist. And um, and I know everything about that car. I've, I mean, it's funny because I think I've only made five runs in the car. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's I have I don't have much time in the car. Yeah. But does I, the uh, does the ejector seat still work if you we disconnected it because oh. technically if you really need it you probably don't want to be using it because you're probably upside down so oh. yeah. that is true but you could get land speed record for for fastest ejector seat sliding across the salt <laughs> <Right>. or something <laughs> I do right. like the categories of Bonneville when it goes I set a land speed record oh what do you do twenty seven miles an hour yeah. yeah this is you know pre production <laughs> small you know rubber band powered I mean, bicycle can, from 1912 yeah. or something yeah. i mean you're not always doing 200 plus miles an hour out there no. there are very slow moving land speed records yeah i mean there are other guys you know basically getting into the three club is where it's at you know? yeah i'm trying to get into the five club i don't even yeah. know if that exists but yes i also i love the hatred for england when they are out there I know. It is a rivalry. It, it is such an old school like it, there's Bonneville to me is like that last old school cuz it, it's completely donated time, mm-hmm. right? It's completely grassroots and they let you know I, there was something I, I saw it and it was like, you know, we're not going to let England come in with their government funded engineering and big, you know, wallet tell us what to do. Well, our and the North American Eagle team yeah. is 
the exact opposite. They are self-funded. Yeah. They have little money, little mm -hmm. to no money. You know, you look at our trailer and you can tell that it's like it's we have to have a very unique trailer for the car itself. But like it's not like it's got a fancy schmancy wrap on it or, you know, or we all have yeah. like uniforms for every day of the year. And yeah, you, know, it's, like, you guys are the Mighty Ducks. They're Team Iceland. <laughs> but they're technically England. <laughs> but we're doing pretty good. We're making waves and we're making a statement. I'm really proud and honored to be a part of this. And team. it's it's That's beyond be awesome. cool. Yeah. So what what is it there left that you go, I need to do this race or drive this mountain or accomplish this? Yeah, so you this. guys are asking what's next. Um, there's more land speed opportunities that are coming from that. So I'm just going to have to keep that one at bay. Um, but right now I'm planning... There's King of the Hammers in January, and we're trying to figure out what's going to happen with that one. And then um, Rally de Gazelles is one of them that I've been trying to race for the last three years. And, and what's that? It's an all-female race in Morocco. Okay. And there is no GPS. It's by cap compass and maps only. Wow. And it is women only, and it's in the middle of the desert. And, and why Morocco? Nine, Did it start days. there? That's where it started, yeah. So it's kind of a big deal. I mean... Um, the, the opening ceremonies are in Paris and it's like, I guess Paris just goes nutso for this race. Wow. And, um, and then they drive from Paris and basically get their car shipped over to Morocco. And then the race happens in Morocco and it's about nine days of racing. And what, what kind Jeez. of vehicle are you in? Um, it's, it's a lot of Overland kind of vehicles, but you'll see Unimogs out there racing. You'll see all sorts of stuff. You'll see trucks, Toyota Hilux, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, and is it? Baja type speeds or is it more navigation? It's navigation because it's point to point. So it's shortest distance, not time. Okay. Yeah. So it's literally planning and strategizing the best route that you can get from point A to point B. You have to get your flags in the middle of it all, but to get point from point A to point B with the smallest amount of mileage on your odometer. And do you have, hmm. is this something where you go next year, two years, I have a team, I have a car? I'm planning on going for 2015 and it's in... March going into April. All right. You know, I think I saw in a movie somewhere how you could fix that odometer issue. You jet, you put put the truck up on jack stands, <laughs> yeah, and then you just put it in reverse. Yeah, if you guys, you know, this, I didn't see the end of that get, movie. I then, think it was okay though, right? And then if get, you <laughs> do this the car and backwards, it. yeah, do yeah. I think uh, I think you'll be fine. Oh, but now that used the, to be the, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, that that sounds incredibly interesting. And is there ever a part of you that maybe wants to do? Uh, a mainstream type of racing, try to get into, you know, a, a NASCAR or an open wheel or a. Absolutely. I mean, I think if the opportunity presented itself and, and everything aligned perfectly, then I would definitely. But would you have the patience to, to do that many races in the same series? That's, you know, <laughs> that it's, many it's funny because it's uh, the opportunity to be a top fuel driver came across my board at one point in time. And, and I was like, how amazing that would actually be to, yeah, to feel yeah. that kind of horsepower for the such thunder. a short amount of time. And, but I don't know, I don't know if I, I, I think it would be like one of those things. It's like, okay, would I get sick of it after a couple of years? You know, yeah. like, okay, what's next? You know, and their, their racing schedule is brutal. There's yeah. 24 races a yeah. year. Like, ah. And it's literally every other weekend. Yeah. 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 So I, you know, I weigh my options and I think I plus all the testing it, and everything that goes in between, which you know. I mean, the better driver I am, the happier I am. But I think more than anything, um, you know, I really want to get into rally racing um, because that that kind of merges the performance driving with my off road racing and, and also my sure. fearlessness. So I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, 
And then as far as like, I'd like to do short course racing. So I would like to be an upper echelon, but I don't know if I would just, I don't know if I would ever, because I don't do enough of it maybe is what it is. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'd actually get bored with it. I know it's really difficult for me to say that because it's like, could you really get bored driving a Formula One car or could you really get bored, you know? But because what I like about off-road is that it's always ever-changing. Yeah. I, yeah. I imagine. There's a, there's a great challenge to it. I imagine in NASCAR as fast as they're going after lap 197 one of them is thinking about dinner at some point yeah like as competitive it is one of them go what am i I doing later today yeah (laughs) so i wonder but although i've spoke with other people who i would never think that would ever appreciate nascar and they've done the experience and like it was the funnest thing i ever did it's like every lap you think all you're doing is strategizing how you can get just one car ahead yeah every lap and what you did you know what mistake you made in the last lap and how that cost you a half a second. And, you well, know, everything's like, everything's changing, but it's 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 small changes. Yeah, you know, and you got to look for that detail, I guess, in the in the uh, exactly. in the race. So, but, I mean, I give those guys mad props because that is some serious driving skill. I just don't know. I, I I guess I can't knock it until I try it. Well, I think there's a concentration level on that kind of racing too, because it is it is repetitive. Even though every lap's a little different because of where the cars are positioned and you know that sort of thing, but it is repetitive, so you have to have that concentration to stay focused on exactly what you're doing and, you know, not kind of get lost in the, okay, now I'm going around this turn again, yeah. uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, exactly. And I don't know if my ADD element OP will keep up with that. <laughs> you, you do seem like you do seem extremely ADD and, and I mean that the nicest way possible because I'm all over the place. you, you, this, it seems like you don't say no to anything, anything that's sort of within reason given to you, you go, okay, let's try it. Let's do it. I say no to a lot more than you think I do, to be honest with you. There's a lot of opportunity that comes across my plate, and I'm very, very grateful for it, and I'm grateful that people even consider me for their events and their driving and their this and their that. It's fantastic, but Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of things I say no to because it's – it's it's not in alignment with my mission it's the schedule is off it's it's not worth my time because my demand right now is so high mm-hmm. not that i'm complaining because no, this is a very good place to be in yeah. um and i'm and i'm honored that it's like you know people yeah, want enjoy me it while of, you can yeah right? people want me a part of yeah. their stuff this is cool but in the same turn though like i do i say no to a lot i'm sure yeah but um so you, you've kind of brought up your your statement and this might be a good wrapping point what what is sort of your statement and what is something that because you do you do all this good and you're very much into education uh and and mentoring what is sort of the this is the part you want to leave behind or what you want to be known for when all of this is done that's a very deep deep question oh we get deep here (laughs) (laughs) you know um i really enjoy seeing people's lives change for um for the simple thought of design and performance and the more i can do to help people get to that that permanent smile on their face i feel like i'll have accomplished something but i make a difference in the world just by doing everything i do between my driving and my welding and i mean who knew that i could make an empowering statement off you know just by welding so you know i think that the biggest thing is because my life has taken so many different turns and they're all been very very 
epic turns. You know, I've lived a life that only people could just possibly You've dream of. Ten lives only people can dream of. Been, I could probably do without the back thing now. I've been, yeah, but it's a blessing in disguise. Yeah. You know, but all of it put together, I've lived a very blessed life, and I think the cool thing, the one thing that I can, I can really try and send a message is, is prepare yourself for awesomeness. But what you really need to prepare yourself is for change because you never know what door is going to open up next and what opportunities are or what you're fully capable of if you never try. This is very true. Mm-hmm. So when are you going to write the book? I know, right? I, I think I just need to have like somebody travel with me everywhere I go. And as I tell them stories, they start writing them down and they yeah. become chapters. At some, time, at some point in time, you're going to have to write a book. You have a pre-runner you need to finish first, though. Right. I, I, you, do then, the book second, pre-runner first. And I've got to finish my Harley. And then, because my Harley, I'm trying, I don't know if I should say this out loud, but I'm trying. Go for it. I'm trying to be the first female invited builder to Born Free motorcycle show. And which, the Harley will get you there? I think it could, yeah. What I mean, kind of Harley is it? It's, a, it's only a 76 iron head, but it's not necessarily about what the drivetrain is. A lot of it can be about the fabrication. So cool. a lot of the bikes, like if I were to have won a bike, I might just take the bike and take the drivetrain out and build another bike around it, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm just winning one of their bikes and carrying on. But, yeah, I think I can. I think I can with the with um, the design, the fabrication, and, and the execution of the bike. I think it's going to be a really beautiful bike. Well, cool. I, I awesome. can't wait to, to see how it turns out and to follow you for your 500 plus miles an hour. Yeah. So um, I suppose I should give you all my website yeah. and stuff. You got Jesse. That Combs. would be good. JesseComes.com yes. to check out Jesse. Uh, where else can they see you? Well, and from there, you can directly um, click onto Facebook. Facebook is probably the best place to go to find out what's going on constantly and keep up with it. And, you know, have you ever, does it ever bother you on Facebook when people are like, oh my gosh, Jesse, what happened when they see you like in a cast? five weeks later and it's like well if you just scroll back a yeah couple scroll more, back a couple more posts, the history's you, there yeah like i'm not just gonna put it around i'm like i'm telling the whole story yeah. Yeah. Right every here. time you post a photo you need to start over again with the story yeah. <laughs> i guess so so <laughs> so yeah um feel free to um do your research that's another great advice i could give is research people we have the whole world at our fingertips nowadays with these smartphones and these tablets very and true these, this thing called the internet read about that yes i mean it's it's and so if you do your research there's so many things tips tricks how to's whatever working on your own car even if it's just changing your own brakes or you want to learn how to paint you can pretty much learn it on the internet but this is true and if you really want to get be really really good then that's there's a great schools like the art center and wyotech yeah you know so and that a lot of people are always afraid to go to school but a lot of people forget what school is it's a place to learn so you don't have to go in being smart. You're going to go in and learn what you want to know. Yeah. They'll teach you how to be smart. It's pretty crazy how that works, right? <laughs> so, yeah, go to school if you can or find a school that's going to suit your needs the best. And you don't have to know exactly what you want to do afterwards. No. Just get some sort of basic education and get going and explore the world and go wherever it takes you. Yeah. And then and then one more thing. Um, in the very new f- near future, we'll have IamTheRealDeal.com up and running. And basically, that's uh, my business partner and I. She's um, she's fantastic. Her name is Teresa Contreras. She's a designer, but she's she's a painter. She's a machinist. She's got as big a balls as I do, and she's absolutely amazing. And we are teaming up, and we're starting The Real Deal, which is a concept that I've had for many years. But it's basically about growing the community for women to feel more comfortable and to really gotcha. – um, 
yeah, so it's it's promoting and empowering women in, in the industrial and, and um, uh, automotive and industrial arts industries and um, and really just like grabbing life by the ball. So it's more of like a lifestyle brand that we're really trying to encompass and, and pull in all of these other categories because there's so many other foundations out there that are so good to get people involved in our industry that I want to bring them all together. Like this is yeah. a great place for you to plug in. You don't have to plug in with us, but this is a great place or this might be a good place for you to, you know, kind of face your fears and that kind of stuff. So that's great because yeah. you know, when you're in that situation and you, you aren't around uh, people that do whatever it is you want to do, regardless of whether you're a woman or man, you, you know, if, if you don't have anybody to talk to that does that, what do you do? And being able to go to a website like that and mm-hmm. really, uh, being able to connect with the people that do that can make all the difference in the world when it comes to uh, trying to, you know, find your own path. In Absolutely, because that's what we're here to. We want to. We want to inspire you. We want to. We want to hold your hand. You know, we like, and and then help you build your wings, and then like kind of push you off the ledge. Yeah. You know, like we want to be those girls because it's not always do you get to be prepared for everything. Sometimes you do have to jump off the cliff and just pray to God that everything's going to turn out okay. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So I am the real deal.com will be up and running soon. And then with that, there's going to be so many projects and fundings that are associated with just, just doing fun stuff. Well, great. It, it all sounds great. And we can't wait to hear about it. And, yeah. Uh, so check out jessiecombs.com and follow her on Facebook and pay attention to, to what she's doing. So yeah. don't ask her what's new. Yeah. Well, you need to know when you see her. I don't even know if you can find what's new on my website because <laughs> even that's outdated. I'm busy, people. Well, but... you'll check out Jessie's SEMA 2013 uh, signing <laughs> dates where you could go get uh, something signed. <laughs> yeah, that's how old it is for sure. But thank you so much, you guys. It was great coming here. And the building is looking amazing, by the way. Thank you. Well, thanks for being on. Yeah. Thank you for coming in. Thank you.